Parmin Devere, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Centre for India and Global Business podcast series today. We're at the Globalisation of Indian Cinema conference. You gave a presentation talking about East meets West. Why do you think it's so difficult to structure global partnerships in cinema? Well, you know, I wouldn't say that it's difficult to um, structure global partnership. It's just that until now, it's been the West that's been structuring those partnerships, whether it's U.S. with Europe, U.S. with Canada, U.S. with Australia. Um, it's just that the paradigms have shifted, and now other emerging countries like India, like China, like Korea, like Brazil, like Mexico, are now coming into the mix. And, and that requires a different different way of thinking and different way of being, yeah? That now the global partnerships are not north-north, they are south-south, they are north-south, but they are peer-to-peer. They're no longer about the domination of Hollywood um, globally. They're about um, respect for local film industries, local talent, local audiences, whether that's in China, whether that's in India. One of the points you made very forcibly was that it's not about just getting a plane to India and rucking up, so to speak, that actually it's strategic, long-term work that will pull off the film deal you want. Absolutely. You know, if I wanted to engage with the American media landscape or the Canadian or the, or the British, I would do a lot of my research. I'd really understand that media landscape. I'd understand who are the key players in the media sector that I am working, whether it's the film industry or television or format, licensing and sales. And, you know, and that's exactly the approach that um, people from the West who want to access the Indian market, they need to take, they need to really have a, they really need to think through their market entry strategy. They need to understand the market, which means that they have to first and foremost educate themselves because it's also a market that's changing so rapidly. What was yesterday is, is old news today. It's changing that fast. As I mentioned, you know, we have, we've just launched our Digital Britain report. Well, countries like India and, and Korea have leapfrogged many of the recommendations that we're making about universal access. I, you know, 99% of Korean population has universal access, yeah? And India, which has a population of 300 million, the penetration of the internet in, in that, just in that 300 million, is, is far exceeds our ambition for universal access. And you also talked about the Indian diaspora. The market used to be 80% domestic. It's now 40% domestic. The markets themselves are moving. I think we need, I was, I think the diaspora is a different issue. I think, you know, remember that the um, Hollywood dominated the globe. 80%, you know, there was a time when, you know, 80% of his revenues from the content that it was producing came from its own market, i.e. the U.S. So everything else that it gained from the outside of the world through sale of its content was icing on the cake. But what we've seen is a shift in that pie. What we now see is that 60% of the revenues come from the international market and only 40% of the revenues, that's half of the revenues, come from the domestic market, which means that Hollywood has to understand the international market. 
that's one thing and and that's that's what's driving hollywood to go and explore and engage and build relationships and joint partnerships in these countries and and in in india in particular but the other from the indian point of view is that how the indian media and entertainment industry what it's done is to leverage and consolidate or aggregate as i call it its nri the non resident indian the indian diaspora you know these are people who left india in the 50s and 60s and 70s and continue to leave but maintain a cultural connection with india and the indian film industry particularly bollywood the indian television industry through soaps and serials have captured those eyeballs um you know in you know in in terms of and have monetized um you know that particular audience now the indian diaspora is about 20 to 30 million people around the world predominantly in in the west in in the uk in the us in canada in australia you know they are in all the in the in the metropolitan areas they are worth you know just that 20 to 30 billion are worth million um people generate like 300 billion dollars for the indian entertainment industry so there's a large percentage of money that's made from the indian diaspora community that is supporting and sustaining the indian media and entertainment industry in the uk we have something like 3 million asians right and we're worth something like 40 billion pounds in this country and we have 15 channels and over 50 active screens that show bollywood films and you know where the bollywood distributors like eros like yashraj like utv like muktaarts and now reliance as well they have you know they do spend the pnda in order to advertise and publicize and market those films to this you know it's a phenomenally captive audience to what extent was slumdog millionaire a growing up for bollywood well, you know was it success a fluke or or can that success for bollywood be maintained there's been a lot of debate about that today hasn't there whether it was good or bad i you know you know the indian film industry is as old as the film industry in the world it was founded in 1896 right the same year as they discovered film in the lumiere brothers yeah so it's not a it's not a it's a very mature industry it's got a, a domestic audience of 95% of the indian domestic audience and you're talking about a billion people in you know albeit in three classes the the upper the middle class the middle middle india and 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 the lower india yeah but the reality is that the indian film industry has existed and will continue to exist and and will continue to grow so the, to think that somehow slumdog and his eight oscars suddenly changes the fortunes of the indian film industry is is nonsense what it does i think it it opens the eyes of western producers and directors and executives who commission projects like this to say hey let's take a risk you know who knows we might even you know make another slumdog only it might be in brazil this time or it might be in lagos yeah or it might be in jamaica i think what it does is to open the minds of the executives in britain to be less procreal less eurocentric and more multicultural in the kind of programs and ideas that they commission we've talked about hollywood and bollywood and the exchanges 
there in terms of you know Hollywood wanting the money from India. But but is the UK film industry actually engaging with the Indian film industry? I think we're inevitably engaging it in the best way they can. We do not have a studio system here. We barely have a film industry of our own. It's, you know, it's much more, you know, it's always referred to as the cottage industry. As you know, you know that as soon as we have a successful on-screen talent or a director or a writer, the first thing that they want to do is to go and work in Hollywood, yeah? Um, but in terms of, you know, what are we doing? We did you know, painstakingly sign a co-production treaty with India, which we can work both at a commercial level and as a, as a cultural treaty, I think is a treaty that will really work more culturally than commercially for the simple reason that India is not bringing to the, same, to the table the same levels of incentives that we have for supporting UK, UK film industry, i.e. tax credit, subsidy, etc., yeah? But, you know, so the India will offer us, you know, it's cost effective, in the, you know, in terms of um, the cost advantages in terms of the production um, and, and, and some of the, the talent, the, the behind-the-screen talent. But, you know, but what, you know, the way that Britain is engaging with it is, is precisely through the delegations, you know, using the FIKI platform in India to, you know, bring, bring um, media owners as well as film producers and directors to, to go in and, and build those relationships. You know, having a presence at the Goa International Film Festival, organize, as it did last year at the London Film Festival, a workshop, a one-day conference to really broker the relationship between UK film industry and, and, and the Indian um, film producers and directors. You talked about, um, you know, sort of the relationships developing between the UK and, and indeed, you know, the rest of the world and... and the Indian film industry. But, you know, what do you foresee being the teething problems? You told that lovely story of, of the deal being concluded at four o'clock in the morning in a karaoke bar that it take, and being invited to, to weddings of people yeah. in India. That you have to engage in the social relationships yeah. to bring off the business deal. Do you foresee that as teething problems? I think there's a huge learning problem. It's really learning to work with different cultures and, and different kind of rhythms in the way that we work, you know, deals you can't expect to land in India, have a meeting, shake, you know, and close a deal. It just doesn't work like that. It is, you know, and you know what you, in India everything is done through networks. It's you know, and it's not who knows who, but it's a network. And if you can be introduced into that network with someone who already has a reputation in that net network, and it's a very powerful reputation doors will open. You will suddenly be meeting the CEOs, the chairmen. You also have to understand how decision-making takes place, that it's very centralized, that it's usually one person, in be it a corporate or, or a family business, um, that decisions are made on a very different, in a very different way to how they are made here. Um, you know, and a lot of the networking takes place and a lot of the business take, gets done at precisely these weddings. I was invited to a wedding by this one, you know, Hollywood, Bollywood producer who will remain nameless. But, and I noticed there were about five or six pre-wedding parties. And, the, and I said, oh, so what are these gatherings? And he had invited me to come to the entertainment wedding party. And I said, oh, well, what are the other ones that I'm not coming to? Well, there was a big business, corporate business party. There was the diamond merchants party. 
There was the venture capital. So he had all these different networks that he was going to host, literally half a dozen parties before even the wedding. And I said, well, actually, yes, I'd like to go to the media and entertainment party where I will meet all the people from the entertainment sector, but actually I'd like to go to the diamond one because as a producer I need to be able to see whether, you know, whether they have the appetite for investing in, 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 you know, in a structured way in film and media financing. And that's what you have to be able to get into as if, you want, if you're wanting to develop more strategic relationships in India. And it's a long haul as well. It does not happen overnight. No, no I know, know you have to rush off. No, but, no, no. But, but ju- just in terms of European deals as well as American deals uh, with Bollywood, do you think there will be any in the near future that are significant? Whether, we will, we, whether there will be deals um, in Europe? No, not to the extent that you have with UTV and Disney or Studio 18 and Viacom or um, Reliance with um, Spielberg or Fox has just done a five-picture deal with another independent and Indian producer. You won't because we don't have a studio system. And the French, you know, and the studio, half a dozen studios or three or four studios that we do have in UK and Europe, Pathé. I mean, Pathé has probably made, it's made two films. It made Bride and Prejudice and it made um, Mistress of Spice, yeah? So it's, you know, it's... Pathé is, and it's a French studio that has a bay that's, you know, that's based in the UK. That is the only studio that I'm aware of, a European studio, that's really engaged and made a couple of films. The, um, if you look at Slumdog and who was behind it, it was Warner Brothers, with Channel 4 investing 10% of the money, and the rest of it coming from the producers themselves. I think our deal will be different. I think our deals will be maybe on a smaller scale. They'll be on single films, probably. I think they will be on the basis of, as I mentioned in my talk about, you know, um, com- you know, we have media assets, we have media companies, and maybe there will be joint ventures. You know, so, you know, UTV coming in and buying Ignition is a very, um, um, you know, financially viable um, games company, right? I think you'll get television distribution companies and production companies maybe licensing or co-producing their formats um, with Indian television um, and and production company. I think we'll see those kinds of smaller deals, but not on the scale of Anil Ambani. And just to retract on Slumdog, to go back a bit, you very much attributed its success to Danny Boyle and his unique talent to draw all these influences to get to the underbelly of the script in India. I think Danny Boyle, you know, I think that, you know, firstly, I think the foundation on which that film is based was phenomenal, i.e. the book Q&A, yeah, written by an Indian. Um, I think the adaptation and, and the writer who adapted it um, was phenomenal, yeah. And I think then Danny bringing his own vision and, and, and a director's, you know, director's creative vision to it enhanced that project even before they went to India. Then I think it's credit to Danny that he did a lot of research. He didn't just go and shoot. He didn't just go and, you know, just go and go for the first, you know, choices that were presented to him. He really tried, he really understood, he lived and breathed Bombay and, 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 and urban India. And you, and you really, and what must have hit him when he landed 
and as he lived through it, um, was, its, its, was its vibrancy and was its energy and was its can-do. Whether you're a slum dog or whether you're a Neil Ambani in Bombay, you have that attitude of a you can do. What? And that's what he captures in, in Slum Dog. Well, well your, your love and joy of it is, is clear from, from your description yeah, yeah, of it. But, yeah. but the next co production, who's it going to be with um, that's going to be the one you're looking forward to seeing and why? I think, you know, also remember that, you know, Slum Dog was not a co production. I think structuring co production deals with Indian. Um, Producers, it's, it's, you know, it's much harder. I noticed that Gurinda Chadha, her new film, um, I think it's called Afterlife, I don't know. But, you know, that she has done a deal with Studio 18 and they are investors and they will obviously also release the film in India. I think those are the kinds of deals that we will begin to do on single films. They will be co-financing deals rather than co-production deals. The future of, of the film industry, if, if you take the UK, and I know you've helped you know, author reports, as you say here, if you take Europe, you take America, and, and you take Bollywood, surely we're not moving towards one great melting pot with film globally? No, absolutely not, because you know, the, you know, one of the you know, credit to Hollywood is that it hasn't gone in there and said, yeah, we like you as a talent, come and make a Hollywood film. They say, we like you as a talent, here's some money, here is our distribution might behind it, make a local film for the local market. And what we want to do is to be able to release this film locally. So, you know, they are developing the distribution infrastructure in both China and in India. That's the best thing that they can do. Out of maybe the 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 films, local films that Fox or Warner Brothers backs, one of them might become a crouching tiger. One of them might become a slum dog. But they must, you know, the important thing is that they must stick to that route of investing in local talent. Making local films. Parminder, thank you very much indeed for for talking to the Centre for India and Global Business podcast series today, The Globalisation of Indian Cinema, Opportunities for the West. I've enjoyed it very much. I hope you have too. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being here. It's a great conference too. Fantastic. And I hope it's one of many that um, the centre will organise because... You know, the creative industries and the media industries are not only important for our economy in the UK, but they are a vital part of, of, you know, the economic growth in all of those countries. We look forward to seeing you here again. Thank you.